Hey guys, during this episode, we discuss the distortion and illusion filters create that have us seeking more defined jawlines, higher cheekbones, smoother skin, the list goes on. We discuss the psychological impacts behind it and provide you with some tips and tools for social media hygiene. Just a trigger warning on this episode. In this episode, we discuss body dysmorphia disorder, OCD, and social media addiction. If this is a trigger for you in any way, we strongly suggest that you skip this episode. We'd also like to pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land. We acknowledge and respect their continuing culture and the contribution they make to the life of this city and this region in which we record on. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode one of 2021. I am one of your hosts. My name is Kat and I'm a registered psychologist. My name is Amy and I'm a registered psychotherapist. And welcome to the Psychology Sisters, a podcast dedicated to normalizing the mental health conversation. Amy, how are you? It has been a long time since we have been on the mics and we were just laughing because we don't know what, how to do this. We just recorded that introduction about 150 times absolutely I feel like I've definitely forgotten how to podcast (laughs) Uh, it feels really weird um being back on the mic so to speak very cool little little potty slang there on the mics it feels a little bit strange but it feels great to be back uh great to be talking all things that we are so passionate about um all things mental health and I'm really, really excited, as are you, um, to be recording this episode in particular. I think it'll be a really good one. Yes, it is something that we only decided on yesterday. This is the <laughs> level of preparedness we have here at the Psychology Sisters. But it is an extension of our very first episode. And probably my favorite episode is Social Media Ruining Your Life. And I think that that was such a popular episode. And so much has happened since our first episode. Actually, dear Katniss, I believe that the title of our first episode is called Is Your Social Media Diet Making You Sad? <laughs> Uh, great, great try at 7am on, on a Thursday morning. You know? I love that I came in hot being like, it's my favourite episode. I didn't even know the title of it. Oh, help, SOS. Amy, tell me a little bit about how are your holidays? You're looking tanned, you're looking fresh, you're looking happy. Tell me all about your delightful summer holidays. I've been watching your Instagram stories with a pang of resentment and jealousy. Well, I think that is so telling when it comes to social media and comparison (laughs) and comparing, you know, our current situation with somebody else's highlight reels because holidays are definitely a highlight reel um, in real life and on social media. My holidays were great. I loved just being able to decide what I wanted to do when I woke up in the morning and not having a overwhelming to-do list in front of me, which... (laughs) is basically for anyone that works in the allied health industry, December is a pretty chaotic month, quite stressful. So when you get that little bit of time off, that little bit of breathing space, it felt really good. It felt really good to slow down and to do things that make my soul happy, as cliche and cheesy as that sounds. But I absolutely did take full advantage of that. Uh, And it was great to catch up with some friends and spend time with family. Uh, I think Christmas looked a lot different this year. And that was something that uh, maybe a lot of us, I know myself, didn't experience was like that normal, you know, real togetherness Christmas. Obviously, uh, if you're in New South Wales, like us, we went into a pretty strict lockdown around the Christmas period. So having holidays just kind of alleviated any strange 
I guess, tension around that. Uh, it was nice just to be able to rest and rejuvenate. Mm. Sorry for that ramble, but how are you? How are your holidays? I'm good. I'm good. My holidays are great. I was supposed to go to Adelaide and unfortunately that got cancelled. So I had a bit of a staycay and really enjoyed it. I really actually loved exploring my area and it forced us to be really creative with what we did and to try new things that we wouldn't normally. So yeah, that was actually really, really fun. So it was brief, but it was beautiful and left me feeling really recharged and I started reading a little bit more which is so good for the soul what are you reading any tips for our listeners I've actually just started Boyce Follows Universe so I just went on to Booktopia and just went okay I need a really good book I want to get lost in a book and it's by Trent Dalton I think and I've only just started it but so far really really good really really good so that is my Mm. book recommendation and I'm really trying to read a lot more during the year because I just find it so such a disconnect that I don't get in life. And I love fiction. I really, really love fiction to just really get some space between me and my busy life. So yes, I had a really wonderful holiday and yeah. I'm back busy. Hit the I literally hit the ground running my first day of work. I think I had about seven appointments. So yeah, I'm back to reality. That's, <laughs> that's <Yes>. Help me. No, it's fine. So Ains, tell me your pit and peak of the year thus far. Oh, pit and peak of the year thus far. Well, my peak has definitely been beach days. Um, I'm someone that loves the beach and I definitely feel so much more relaxed and content is the word. Yeah, I definitely feel so much more content after spending time at the beach. So that is my peak. My peak has been that I've been able to get in a lot more beach time lately. And that has just been so great for the soul and so great for recharging my batteries. My pit is that, and I must sound like a broken record. And I think I say, I must sound like a broken record too many times as well. So that probably also sounds like a broken record. However, my bit is that I have really struggled to get out of holiday mode. And I didn't think that would be something that I would be saying because I love keeping busy. I love my job and I'm someone that in the past has really struggled to switch off from that. However, after having such a great long holiday and being so well rested, I am struggling a little bit to get back into holiday mode. I'm sorry. Get See, there I go in holiday mode. <laughs> Struggling to get out of holiday mode and really, you know, um, throw myself back into work. And Mm. that is maybe something that um, maybe I need to shift my mindset around and shift my expectations that I can slowly, gradually get back into work. I don't have to um, pick everything back up all at once and that is okay. But yeah, it just feels a little bit strange that I'm like just waiting for that you know, kind of work mode to kick in and it hasn't necessarily kicked in as soon as it usually does. So I feel like the first few weeks are just a draft copy. Mm. It's just a, <laughs> you know, we're not really doing this seriously, right? Like this is just a trial run and then trial run, four weeks trial. In. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like this trial. Unsubscribe. 
<laughs> yes, I think that that's pretty normal, Ames, because I think that you're not back at your nine to five job, but you're still doing the site collab stuff. So it's like you're going to the, you're doing all the fun stuff still around your appointment. So your brain is probably associating beach with holidays. So it's you're working and then you're still kind of feeling like you're on holiday. So I think that that's pretty normal. Absolutely. And I was actually chatting to Andy about that the other day. I was like, oh, I'm half holidays, half work. Mm. And it's really messing with, um, yeah, I guess how I'm feeling being back at work. So the last couple of days, what I've done is I've had two really, really productive work days where I have just focused on work and got really, really organized. And that's really helped. I think organization is a big key. If you are someone that is struggling to get back into work mode after the holidays, then you're just not feeling like you've got your shit together for lack of a better mm. word. Cause that's definitely how I have felt. Um, is just focus on organization, focus on what you can control in your environment to, to really give yourself that positive work environment. Anyway, shall we get into today's episode? Yes. I mean, if you want oh, to hear about my pit and think, that oh would be God, nice Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> wow. So savage. Um, no, you know what? I just, just panicked. I just panicked because I choked on my own saliva and it's it was on mic and I was like, oh, that's so embarrassing and gross. Okay, well, this is my fit and fee. This is my show and tell for anyone that's interested. No, I'm so <laughs> interested in your pit and peak. Please, please. Look, not as exciting as your peak. Um, but my peak is two things. I am very excited for the big year that we have ahead of us. We had a big meeting the other day um, just with all of our psychosis staff and psych collaborative staff. Man, for two people who run a podcast and have a very tiny, small business consisting of two employees, there is so much that we need to get through in a meeting. Um, when I first told Josh, I was like, oh, I need to have a meeting with Ames. He was like, and do what? <laughs> Like, what are you guys going to do? I was like, look at our agenda. We've got so much to get through. Big things are happening, Ames. Absolutely. It's exciting. Um, yes, the other thing I'm is my peak is this year I have dedicated not just to reading, um, to just having a little bit more fun. That was my word of the year last year was play. And unfortunately, <laughs> COVID was like, yeah, good luck. Mm. So this year I'm back. I'm going to do more play. I'm going to be a little bit more playful and have fun. So I started learning how to skate and surf, which for someone who's very gangly like me, uh, it looks hysterical watching me do any of these things, but I'm very excited. And I know Ames, you were over the other day and you bought a skateboard too. So, I mean, becoming quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I'm sure you absolutely nail the surfing and the skating. <laughs> um, and I think that is awesome. Play is so important mm. in our adult lives. And yeah, we don't, prioritize play and having fun as often as we would probably like to or as often as I what know. is and this, this sounds really silly but when I was on a skateboard I fell off and it was just I, I don't know I mean this is a really interesting perspective but I was like oh my gosh like I felt like a kid you know when you're a kid mm. you'd run around you'd fall over you'd graze your knee I've not fallen over and grazed anything by doing something that's playful and fun it just reminded me of being a child that really childlike innocence of having fun making mistakes learning new skills um, learning something new and failing and it was just such a nice feeling I just felt like such a child again and to learn those new skills was such a challenge for uh, my brain so I'm loving it. I'm really, really loving it. And I think that's a really important component in why maybe a lot of adults don't 
try new mm. skills that involve risk or that involve mm. risk of injury because it's like, well, I don't have the capacity to take time off work. I, I need my body. Mm. I rely on my body so much more than what I did when I was a child. You know, 100%. when you're a child, you don't have the responsibility or the perceived pressure that if I get hurt, that means I won't be able to fulfill all the things that I need to do, like, like mm-hmm. go to work or, you know, go to the gym or anything else that you might be prioritizing as an adult. So it's like, I rely on my body far too much to take the risk to fail at yeah. learning, learning something that might cause an injury. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a huge sacrifice at play, but obviously I didn't think about any of those things before <laughs> skating. I was like, woohoo. Um, so I have fallen off quite a few times and oh my God, I don't know how to stop a skateboard. So my way of stopping is just jumping off and it just, my skateboard runs into cars and things. I've become quite the uh, hoodlum skating around and not knowing how to stop. So I feel like such a little hoodlum (laughs) you. What is your pit, dear Katniss? My pit. I actually have a funny story and um, it's just something that has been creeping up over the last few months. And I think it's finally time that I maybe need some intervention about this. So for my job, I drive a lot, right? And I have a car that enables me to talk to Siri. And it started off pretty casual, pretty platonic, pretty, you know, hey, Siri, what's the weather going to be like today? Or hey, Siri, what's the traffic going to Sydney? As I've been driving, I've started to become a lot more dependent on Siri for more personal topics. Um, So, The other day, I really reached a bit of a low point with my relationship with my car robot. And I was like, hey, Siri, why am I feeling so flat today? A little digital journal. You know what? I was pleasantly surprised. She provided quite a fantastic response. She empathized. She normalized and she directed me to some wonderful resources such as Beyond Blue. And I was, you know what? I was really impressed by Siri. Don't recommend talking to Siri for your mental health problems, but it was really nice to be validated, even if it was by a robot in my car. So uh, I've needed to stop being so dependent on Siri instead of talking. <laughs> it was really to- nice, but I need to stop. <laughs> I do. I do. I just, because some, you know, when you're driving, you're thinking you're like, oh, I wonder what I have that instant gratification. I really want to Google that right now, but I can't because I'm driving. So I'm like, hey, hey Siri, um, what's the real estate prices? Or, you know, hey, Siri, um, what's happening with Trump? And then, yeah, it suddenly just got more and more serious. So I just wonder if I'm the only one who depends on Siri to talk to in the car or if it's just me. <laughs> I, I really doubt that there isn't a single other person out there that has used Siri to ask really personal questions. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you're not alone in that. Thank However. you for the empathy and normalization, but I'm ready for the, the jab. <laughs> the <laughs> no, there is, there is no jab at all. I was also going to say, you know, I, I'm also really struggling with my own internal reaction to this story that you turned to Siri first before me, but like, that's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a robot has, you know, replaced me, but this is fine. Do you know when that? Siri was available when I wasn't. Ames, please don't be jealous of Siri. <laughs> oh. All right, let us jump straight into the episode. Today, we want to talk about all things social media consumption, filters, presets, face tune, anything that alters your appearance and the effect it has on us psychologically. Katniss, talk to me about why this topic is important to you. 
I think this is such a fantastic topic and we got talking about this aims a couple of days ago when we were actually in our meeting talking about how we as a brand are putting out content and one thing that we were talking about was using filters and I think that that was so interesting that that it's really come under the spotlight for us and I wonder for other people the way that we are firstly being perceived and how we are putting out what our image looks like to other people. And I just, from a business perspective, it's so different to a personal perspective because from a personal perspective, I just, I don't know, I don't find myself thinking about it too much from a business perspective. It got me thinking and I think we had a really good conversation about it of, you know, what do we want to put out there because we are starting to get a following on, especially on Instagram how do we want to be perceived? And I think that that's such an interesting way to start this conversation because there's so much more focus on that now. And I think COVID really brought through increased screen time, right? Like over COVID, there was, I think, about a 50% spike in screen time. And so therefore, we're being inundated with a lot more images of what's attractive, what's beautiful. And filters really come under that umbrella. And there's been such a huge spike of using filters like you know how in, you remember on snapchat and it used to be just the dog ears and it was just like that was pretty much it and like maybe googly eyes and now filters can change your whole face right on instagram you've got that easy access you can just so quickly slide through right and change your whole face and it's just so accessible and so normal to use filters and i think it's such a good conversation to have especially with the younger followers or people who follow and perhaps suffer from some body insecurity and low self-esteem because filters just really put out this altered image of ourselves that isn't even close to being real of what anyone looks like. What's your experiences with filters and seeing other people use them? Do you like seeing other people using them? Do you not like seeing other people using them? I think, I think what my experience of filters has been would be remarkably similar to everyone else using Instagram is, and that is filters have become almost undetectably normal. If that Mm. makes sense. I think it is almost uh, so normal now to see filtered and heavily edited photos or photos that have presets on them that maybe we've stopped thinking about it and maybe we've stopped being critical about it because it's become the norm. I, I find that until I bring it to my conscious awareness that I don't question how edited photos are or when I see uh, influencers' stories or uh, even just my friends when they're posting, I'm not thinking, oh, they've, they've got a filter. Instead, what I've noticed that I do you know generally speaking when this isn't front of mind is I think wow they look so perfect Mm. or oh my goodness they're gorgeous or wow they're so tanned Mm. that that's my internal monologue and I think that is why it's so important um, to really bring this to your conscious awareness because how are we going to be happy with what we look like in the mirror Mm. if we're constantly editing ourselves to make us more satisfied with how other people see us and how we see ourselves online. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Something that um, I put in the notes for later was talking about the comparison of ourself versus our digital self. The 
distance between them and the space between them is getting larger because our physical self is remaining the same and our digital self is becoming more and more altered, isn't it? And that creates a bit of dysphoria, a bit of cognitive dissonance because that space is becoming bigger and bigger. And there, one of the things you put up on the poll was, do you feel anxious to meet someone new after you've been using photo editing apps? Because you're putting out this image of yourself, this augmented and distorted perception of yourself. And I wonder if there is that anxiety that when you do go to meet that new person, specifically in the dating realm, oh, you know, maybe I don't feel as confident as just being my physical self compared to my digital self. So it's really interesting that there is this big space now and it's so normal as you said aims that you don't think about it do you actually it's really interesting there was a study that they did on um you know how people put up photos and like no filter they actually researched they got some photo editing experts and they researched those photos and they found that 50 percent of those photos actually had a filter on them Mm. which is so sneaky because you're starting to just assume that wow things are just that beautiful that person's just that beautiful and you're not realizing even if they say hashtag no filter there is a filter and it just really distorts our perception of reality and of ourselves and it creates such a big body dissatisfaction doesn't it anxiety and I think that's so interesting to talk about because it's just exploding filters isn't it it's becoming so normal and it really would create that personal introspection of well, what's wrong with me? How come my photos don't look like that? And it's so powerful because it's so unconscious. And I just wonder how much of an impact that's having on our mental health without us even realizing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that I was going to mention too, is we almost don't recognize ourselves without the filters that we're, Mm. you know, continually using. So if we are always posting a story with our favorite filter that, you know, distorts, what we look like in reality by giving us, you know, wider eyes, a flawless complexion, higher cheekbones, a more chiseled jawline. And then we see ourselves in the mirror or in a photo without that filter or without that preset. It's almost like we're like, oh, shocked at what what we actually look Mm -hmm. like. We're like, oh, quick, put a filter over it. And I think that one really plays into self-acceptance as well and really hinders our ability to accept ourselves as we are as whole people as inherently flawed human beings and i think flaws are becoming less normal now aren't they Mm. to quickly slide through your instagram or i don't know if tiktok has it or snapchat and quickly change the way you look it's instant gratification, isn't it? It's instant gratification and it starts to create that divide as we've been talking about, about what's real and what's not real. Guys, we put up a poll. We like to do this just to get some statistics from you guys, from our audience on Instagram at the Psychology Sisters, just to get an understanding of how much people do use filters and looking at these results. They're quite contradictory in nature. And I found that really interesting, but not, but not surprising because I related to these results as well. What were your thoughts on on the polls? Yeah, really, really interesting. And I think normal. Mm. The results that we got back at first might seem really confronting, but I think when you really reflect into your own social media use and your own social media consumption, you can really relate. And I think that's really important too, is knowing that you are not alone if you feel anxious or insecure uploading photos on social media because those are the unhealthy effects of the world that has become social media reliant or social Mm. media dependent. And I think it's important to know that this 
if you are feeling like, oh my gosh, I, you know, tick all these boxes of um, social media having a really big impact on how I perceive myself and the separation I feel between my digital identity and my real identity, know that you are not alone. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. this has become quite a normal experience in our virtual worlds. Yeah. Okay. So let's read out the first one, Ames. Do you use filters or edit your photos? Um, 71% of our respondents said yes and 29% no. Ooh, I've got 72% yes and 28% no. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Shut (laughs) up. Okay. Next one. So do you prefer seeing people without filters or editing? And this one was really Mm. interesting because... 81% of people said yes to preferring seeing people without filters, yet 72% of us are using filters. I know. It's like this vicious cycle. It's like, oh, I'm seeing other people use it, so I must be needing to use it too. And we need to break that cycle. And a really good way to do that is to start to use no filters on your own, Mm. as scary as that can be. I think comparison comes back into that, doesn't Mm. it? And it's that that bottom-down comparison comparison is that we feel better comparing ourselves to people that are perceived as for lack of a better word less than us and I don't mean less than us as in oh my gosh we're so much better than them but people that we perceive as that we can do a better job or we are more accepted is obviously so much makes us feel so much better than comparing ourselves Mm. to someone as we perceive as being more attractive more successful more intelligent because that perpetuates a sense of failure or a sense of inadequacy so it makes total sense that we prefer seeing people without filters because it gives us something realistic that we can compare ourselves to like oh they have um blemishes or big pores so do I I feel okay about myself or I feel better about myself than seeing someone that has a filtered to perfection um skin or body 100%. It almost gives you permission that if you see someone else using it, it's like, okay. Well, it's normal, right? It normalizes normal faces and bodies. Normal, Yeah, your your face. (laughs) Another interesting one, which is what we were really talking to earlier, was do you feel better about yourself after using a filter? 70% of our respondents said yes. And then I want to click through to one that you asked, do you feel anxious not using filters? And 45% yes. So you can see that 70% short-term, that hit of dopamine, feel better when they use a filter. But long-term, 45% say that they feel anxious not using the filters or uploading raw images. Mm. And I think that's a really interesting... Short-term gain, long-term pain. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. The other one we had is, do you worry about meeting someone in real life when meeting online first? And 50% said yes. Yeah. Well, you're putting your best foot forward, right? And so when, especially dating or a friend, like meeting new friends, you, if you're putting up this best digital self, this perfectly curated digital self, carefully assembled digital self, and then you meet them in real life, there might be a moment of anxiety of, oh, I don't look like that. Will they judge me on that? Or will they not like me as much? Absolutely. And I think it goes back to expectations, right? When we perfectly curate our social media, we are creating an unrealistic expectation of our digital Mm. identity to adhere to. Yeah. And anything less than that, we can't carry around a filter with us all day. So it creates this sense of, I can't live up to my digital 
you know, uh, media identity expectation. Like this is what I should look like. This is what I need to look like in order to get that validation and assurance and acceptance. But I can't achieve that in reality. So it's incredibly anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. when we then have to meet someone in real life that sees our perceived flaws and our perceived defects that we are Mm so, so consciously covering up and hiding with filters and, and photo editing apps. Yeah, absolutely. The last one is a big one and one that, I mean, didn't shock me, but really just, yeah, really brought home the reality of Instagram and social media usage and the effect it has on our body confidence. Ames, you asked, have you ever considered cosmetic changes after using filters? 35% of people said yes. Mm. That That's quite a big statistic, isn't it? Quite a significant one. Mm. And I think it's really telling of how used to seeing ourselves with a filter we get so that we we prefer how we look with a filter. Yeah, we prefer mm. how we look with those face-altering filters that give us bigger lips, wider eyes, you know, higher cheekbones, they even out our complexion, they change our skin color mm. even. And I watched this short documentary from a plastic surgeon and he said that the number of patients he had bring in screenshots of their faces with filters saying, I want to look like this, make my face look like that had absolutely skyrocketed and that selfie dysmorphia that I spoke about a bit earlier came from a plastic surgeon and him identifying just how detrimental this filtering our faces can be to our self-perception and that we are going to such extremes from just being really I guess used to our online presence yeah absolutely I think that was really interesting to put that up and we love engaging with our audience to see how it impacts on our audience because it it does quite a lot and, you know, it's not obviously a perfect statistic. It's not, we never really analyse it too much, but it just is a really good indicator of how people perceive filters and how that impacts on their mental health. And I think as a business aims, we were saying that we want to be really conscious of how we use filters and that's something that we are really trying to do this year is to stray away from the filters and to just be our authentic Mm. selves and hopefully that influences and gives permission and space for others to do the same um it'd be interesting to put up a you know how people sometimes do the screenshot of they go through each filter and see how it affects like our faces how it changes people's Mm. faces each would be really good to put up that so maybe we might do that a little later Uh, When we were doing our business meeting, we did a little uh, Instagram video and I put on a filter and Kat was like, oh my goodness, my my face has changed. Yeah. And I didn't like it. I was like, I I don't like that. It's not me. (laughs) And interesting how if we are using filters, it it could go the opposite way Mm. in that we could see ourselves without a filter and be like, oh my goodness, I don't look like me. So Ames, talk to me about Instagram filters. Why are they ruining our life? Have you heard of the term selfie dysmorphia? No, I haven't. Talk to me. Well, it is not a medically recognized condition by any means. However, I think it could seriously contribute to some. So there was a plastic surgeon that defined it as kind of like a body image disorder. And it is this need to heavily 
heavily edit your digital images and an intense dissatisfaction with ones of your own appearance after using digital filters. So in some cases, this can lead to people seeking cosmetic changes to alter themselves to look exactly like their filters. And it's a major concern um, in terms of, you know, uh, body dysmorphia and self-esteem, you know, a lot of mental health conditions in which a person can't stop fixating on one's perceived flaws. Um, and signs of this condition include, you know, intense focus on appearance and body image. And I think that is so telling when we are, you know, constantly scrolling on Instagram. I think you know, in a world that has been turned predominantly virtual with, you know, Zoom dates, house party apps, FaceTime over real time, screen time has become our reality in essence. And we spend so, such a long portion of our time scrolling through filter to perfection influences, celebrities, you know, regular civilians that it has become difficult to separate that Instagram first reality, which is so funny because that's a trend as well, is that whole Instagram mm. first reality and that, trying to remind ourselves and others that, hey, this isn't really what I look like, but also that anxiety between sharing what is real life. Mm. And I think even amidst the pandemic, you know, social media created expectations that we were meant to roll out of a global pandemic with a six pack, <laughs> a glowing tan, flawless skin, you know, what's your quarantine skincare mm. ritual? Three different languages. Yeah. <laughs> Social media has really put perfection in arm's reach, but what we are seeing in our filters and presets aren't realistically attainable. We mm. can't widen our eyes. We can't, you know, I, I guess there are surgical procedures that you can have higher cheekbones or, you know, cosmetic um, procedures that you can have higher cheekbones and more chiseled jawlines, but that's not something we can achieve on our own, nor is it something that maybe we need to be aspiring to you know we have filters presets and photo editing apps which change our faces and bodies we also used to only have a small pool of people to compare ourselves with now we have the entire world to compare ourselves with i read a, a little study that said in 2018 instagram reached a billion monthly active users a wow. billion and more than 500 billion active users were using that platform daily. And that was in 2018. And that's only grown. Yeah. Wow. Filters are a fun way to change your species. Just add ears and a tail and mm. you're a cat or a dog. But when we start changing our age, our complexion, you know, when we obscure our natural, normal flaws and create an unattainable standard of beauty, really how much damage is that doing? And like we were saying, how much damage is that doing that we are simply not aware of? Yeah, 100%. You know, I read a stat that during the pandemic, our screen use was up 50%. And, you know, Facetune, the app that I think it fixes your face. It kind of, you know, you can get those high cheekbones. I'm it fixes sure. your face. I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah. I'm And I'm sure that's the language that people are using you know oh quick I need to fix my face mm, like I need to get rid of there's these, something wrong know. with it yeah, yeah yeah face tune is you know assuming that you need to tune your face is there mm. something wrong with it initially to begin with um there was a report that as soon as social distancing began so the, what that would have been Feb March last year the use of the apps went up 20 percent and on a daily basis at the moment um the 
people are uploading from Facetune one million photos per day. So they're putting in their original photo and then editing it and then one million photos, new photos are being downloaded to the Instagram or whatever. And 25% during the pandemic, 25% um, people spent 25% more time than usual editing their videos and photos, which is really interesting. And is that a question of, is it because there's more time to do that? Or is it because that we are seeing more content during the pandemic? Because that was a real hero of the pandemic, I guess, or anti-hero, whichever way you look at it, more time for content, producing content. There was lots of time in front of a screen, right? So, mm. or I wonder if it's a bit of both. Maybe there's more time. Maybe there's more, you know, saturation of people in front of us with their beautiful faces. That's why, you know, apps like Facetune or um, I'm sure there's others went up so much. And isn't that really, really interesting? Um, just the amount, how much has changed over a pandemic and continues. You know, I was reading that even after the first lockdown finished, the continuation of using Facetune continued. Like the, the stats didn't change even after we started to go back out into quote real life. And I just find that really interesting, pervasive and quite damaging. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think by design, participation in so- on social platforms forces us to consume and contribute to a cycle of constant like perfection or chasing perfection, you know, um, we're constantly feeling like we need to have a filter or a preset or, or edit the shot, you know, to, to upload so that we can level up to everyone else's perfectly curated, curated and perfectly edited and filtered photos. Yes, a 2019 study found that more than two-thirds of young people aged between 11 to 24, um, so 67% edited their photos of themselves before posting them on social media and found that a quarter took more than anywhere between five to 20 minutes to do that editing. Um, and things included blemishes from smoothing, smoothing skin and whitening teeth. And this is starting at age 11. And I think that that's quite a concerning statistic, isn't it? It is really concerning. And I think there are a lot of studies investigating the link between social media use and body self-esteem related behavior among adolescent girls in particular, um, boys as well. But a lot of the research is based around young girls, which I think that in and of itself is something that really needs to be improved. Uh, But results showed that participants who shared selfies online reported higher levels of body dissatisfaction and selfie manipulation also related to greater body-related concerns that negative body image creates a higher risk of anxiety, depression, uh, even suicidal ideation in teens Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, we talked about that in our first app, remember, that even if people, participants were given the chance to edit their photos, they actually, after they uploaded them, felt more anxious, even Mm. after they had the choice to edit them and make them how they wanted, they actually left that feeling more anxious, increased anxiety and increased uh, focus on their body and how they are perceived to others. And that's so interesting that editing photos, it's quite counterintuitive. It doesn't actually make you any more confident. If anything, it makes you more anxious. And I wonder if it's that creating that dysphoria of, you know, I know that I don't look like this, so that's making me more anxious. So I wonder if it's now I need to put my best foot forward all the time. I need to uphold this image of myself digitally and maybe in person. 
And I wonder mm. if that's where that motivation for cosmetic, cosmetic surgery comes in of, okay, I've now put forward this image of myself where I now know what I would look like if I had higher cheekbones or I don't know, bigger mm. eyes. I don't know. So therefore I've got this image to uphold. So maybe I want that to become more permanent. I want, you know, my digital self to match my physical self. Mm, absolutely. I think it, it, it definitely creates a disconnect from yourself. Mm. Yeah. And it does create a lot of anxiety around, well, this is what I need to look like, or, or this is what I, I prefer to look like. So it really does perpetuate that unhappiness and, un, you know, dissatisfaction around what we look like in reality, what we see in the mirror and what we are, I guess, creating online what the identity that we create online is so so different and so disconnected to our identity in reality yeah absolutely absolutely Katniss talk to me about the science behind it why are we chasing filtered to perfection beauty standards yes I think it's not just this need to present your best self it does go a lot deeper the first thing I want to bring up um <laughs> is obviously my favorite evolutionary theory if you're an OG listener you'll know <laughs> this is really a good place to start because it really starts to understand how our ancestors viewed attractiveness and beauty and how this carries through as a survival mechanism so when we are perceived as attractive that indicates to potential mates that we are healthy and we can therefore reproduce. So attraction is a sign of health and it's a, which also leads to increased chance of survival. So our early ancestors viewed attraction as a way to increase survival. So that is the first thing that might be a really good explanation of why as humans we're so drawn to in quotation mark, culturally attractive people. And I say culturally because it changes our ideas of beauty are so different across different cultures. Western culture has a very different ideal compared to Asian culture. Traditionally, that's actually kind of all changing now, now that there's a lot of Western influence on social media. But generally speaking, different cultures have different ideals of beauty and things that um, researchers have found that indicate beauty that as humans we consistently seek and even children they've done lots of studies on babies and their preferences of faces mm. things like facial symmetry is so is things that people are drawn to um, also another thing is eyelids how open the eyelids are the curvature of someone's mouth and how average someone's face is which is really interesting that you don't associate beauty with average and averageness but researchers have found that the faces that aren't too unique or too striking are perceived as more beautiful and people are drawn to those really symmetrical average looking faces and I think that that's an interesting thing to start off with because those filters make us a little bit more symmetrical right like those filters make us our eyes in line our eye our nose smaller and more symmetrical our smile more symmetrical and I think that that's a really interesting way to view beauty is symmetry and and I, I just wonder if that's something that people realize is happening with filters mm. Absolutely. And I think to, to further add to that, something that we inherently as human beings all need is to be liked and to connect to. And when we perceive ourselves as not being good enough or uh, being less accepted by 
our social network, mm-hmm. whether that is in online or in reality, it creates a little bit of anxiety and we really want to chase what makes us feel connected to others. And I wonder too, if part of that, you know, innate human need to be liked and to feel connected to others creates kind of a bit of pressure mm-hmm. in, well, to be liked and, and to be connected to people, I need to look a certain way. I need to yeah. be perceived a certain way. And I wonder if that plays into us feeling the need or feeling pressure to use filters because a lot of other people that we're seeing and liking, you know, I, I know that on Instagram, you can't see the number of likes anymore, but we can see how many people are following you. Yeah. We mm-hmm. can see the popular, uh, I guess, Instagram pages or, or social media platforms. And I wonder if that plays into how we represent ourselves. Well, I can see that this person has X amount of followers, which means a lot of people really like them or a lot of people really enjoy their content. So for me to also be liked and to also be accepted, this is the kind of content I need to be putting out. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that also goes back to evolutionary theory. You're more likely to survive if you're being accepted into a group, right? Mm. Because to be in a group means you're secure, you're accepted and you're safe. So I think to be accepted into a group is so important as humans, even though we don't need it really so much anymore for survival, but connection we do, acceptance we do. We That's an innate need that we all really seek. So I think you're absolutely right there, Ains. Being part of a group is so and looking like someone else. So Mm. I wonder if that, if I look like that person, like this person on Instagram who has X amount of followers, maybe I'll be accepted like them. You know, maybe I'll be part of a group like they are. So I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking from an attachment framework, haha, broken record, sameness is one of the basic kind of principles of attachment. Yeah. Am I the same as you? And I think that's really interesting when we look at our relationship with social media and it's this kind of unconscious maybe need or drive to be the same, even though that is impossible. We are all unique individuals. There's, you know, we can't look the same as someone else, no matter if we're using the same filter, the same preset, the same editing app, we are never all going to look the same. And I think that potentially is a drive that can create a lot of anxiety and a lot of unhealthy relationships with our social media use is that we're not meant to look the same, yet we are all striving Mm -hmm. for that, you know, unrealistic beauty ideal that kind of says, this is what you need to look like. This is what you need to be aiming for to get that acceptance, to get that, you know, validation and reassurance that you are the same, that you are liked, that you accept, that you are accepted. Yeah, absolutely. So true. I wanted to bring up a cognitive bias, which might also explain this need to put up, put forward our best self. Ames, have you heard of the halo effect before? Ooh, I don't think I have. You'll probably know it once I say it. I think it's a classic first year uh, psych topic. The halo effect is a tendency for a positive impression of a person um, to influence, to positively influence uh, your opinion of that person in other areas or domains of their life. So if you find someone culturally attractive, you might also assume oh, that they are wealthy, successful, kind, etc. So generally lots of studies have shown that if we perceive someone as attractive, we have a correlation, the association that they are also successful. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. flip that back on ourselves. If we feel more attractive, if we view, if we think that others view us as attractive, I wonder if there is this drive to 
become more attractive so that others think that we too are successful, that we too It's status, are right? It is. It's status. Yeah. I mean, naturally, people who are attractive do, uh, you know, there is a correlation of wealth because mm. attractive people are more likely to get jobs, you know, more likely to be hired. And I, that's an awful bias, but it's true. So I think that... Or success, the- you know, we perceive, and again, there is a certain element of truth to this that attractive people are more likely to be successful yes absolutely and attractive people are more accepted into a group so they have a social network they 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 find people who are culturally perceived as culturally attractive are more likely to have more friends than those who are not because people want to be around attractive people and so the halo effect is something that i think that could be driving this need to be attractive to, to want to be culturally attractive because it, it might assume more about you than just your appearance. It might assume that you are really intelligent. I think intelligence is another correlation mm. with attraction. So I think that that's a really interesting way to look at it and could de- definitely be a key player in this motivation to be beautiful. Absolutely. And I completely agree that it has so much to do with more than just what is external. Mm. And I think that comes back to even the little data collection that we did in our own Instagram poll is how you feel when you have a filter or when you've edited a photo or a video versus how you feel when you upload a raw image. I think that's really important to break down because when we have a filter, we are perceiving ourselves to be more attractive. Therefore, we probably get that internal sense that people are perceiving us to be more successful, more intelligent, which increases our confidence, which probably changes our behavior on our online platforms. You know, we are probably a little bit more outgoing when we have a filter that gives us that security almost. It's interesting. It'd be really interesting to study the short-term versus the long-term psychological effects of social media usage, because it sounds like there is a short-term you get that hit of dopamine, right? And Mm. we will talk about the neurological impacts of Instagram and filters, but the short-term feel good of, oh, you know, I feel really good. I'm feeling really confident today. And I wonder if that then transpires into a little bit more long-term anxiety. It's like, yes, I feel good. Yes, I got the likes. I got the comments. I've got the whatever. But long-term, I know that that's not really me. So people are liking this version of myself that isn't real. Therefore, they're not actually liking me as a person. Therefore, my anxiety increases because it's just not the real me and people Mm. aren't actually liking the real me. So I wonder if there is that short-term versus long-term. Short-term dopamine hit, amazing, got the likes. Long-term, oh, now I have to keep up this digital self, this version of myself that isn't actually me. Mm. And I think that that's really, really interesting to, a really interesting thing to study is the long-term effects of digitally altered selfies. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk really quickly about our brain on social media and the neurological impact. So we know, please go listen to our first episode, by the way, that understand the science behind our social media usage and the neurological impacts as well. That's a really good thing to start off with, but just really quickly in a nutshell, when we get a like, when we get a comment, when we get any engagement from social media on a photo that we put up of ourselves, we get that instant hit of the neurotransmitter dopamine, which is tied to our reward pathway. So it's really, it, it makes you feel good. So dopamine is associated with food, exercise, love, sex, gambling, drugs, blah, 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 and now social media. So it's using social media and posting things and getting that instant feedback from your community triggers that neurological 
impact of the hit of dopamine. And the more that we get dopamine, our brains love rewards. As I said, our brains sometimes are like children. We love rewards. It will keep on reinforcing that behavior. If I keep putting things up, I get rewarded. I get that hit of dopamine. It feels really, really good. And it almost becomes quite a habit to to want that, to need that. But unfortunately, like gambling or substance addiction, the social media addiction involves a bit of a broken reward pathway. So social media provides those immediate rewards, that immediate reinforcement um, in, in the form of attention from your network, from validation, from people complimenting you. And that's a nice feeling. And it's for such minimal effort. So the brain rewires itself, making you desire that validation consistently. So it's interesting MRI scans of social media addicts have found that brains of social media addicts are very similar to those of drug dependent brains or drug people who use and abuse substances because there is clear change in the brain that controls emotions attention and decision making and it's almost you become addicted right you become addicted to social media the dopamine is it's a good it feels good and it's so easy to see how quickly you can get stuck in that dopamine addiction Mm, absolutely um there is this phenomenon called uh phantom vibration Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting that we talk about social media addiction and the neurological impacts of our brain because we can become so reliant upon that reward system that we can sometimes think our phone is vibrating and check our phone and there'll be nothing there that is definitely a concerning part of social media use is we've gotten so used to our phone vibrating that it's starting to create the phantom vibrations or, or relying on mm. that reward that mm. you're getting re- relying on that feel good hit that you get from your social media use to the mm. point where when you go to take a break from social media or not even if you're consciously taking a break but maybe when you're feeling a little bit more anxious or a little bit more vulnerable, you go searching for it. Something really interesting is that our the reward centers in our brains are the most active and alert and excited. It's quite an excitatory impact when we are talking about ourselves. Mm. So in normal life, we talk about ourselves conversationally about 30% of the time. In social media, you're putting this version of yourself, what, Mostly, I I think the stats was about 80 to 90% of the time. So, of course, when you post a picture and it gets positive social feedback, it stimulates that dopamine response, which then rewards the behavior and perpetuates that habit. And I think that's a really interesting way to look at it is it doesn't have the parallels with real life. We don't, we're not going to talk about ourselves for 100% of the time to our friends, you know, but on social media, we can do that. It's quite normal to do that. So you can see how not as intense as, you know, using substances, but the positive stimuli will result in the release of dopamine, reinforcing that we do continue to post these beautiful pictures or use our filtered self. And smartphones, it has become quite accessible and have provided us with pretty much an unlimited supply of stimuli and validation, whether it's positive or negative. And every notification, every like, every comment has the potential to be a really positive social stimulus and that results in that dopamine influx which really perpetuates the behavior so that's really interesting to bring up that there is a lot of the neurological impacts going on behind you posting that picture or using a filter that you might not be conscious about 
Mm, absolutely. And I think that's an important point that you just brought up as well, Kat, is that social media can also positively impact our body image in a number of ways. Uh, I know that there are a lot of health and wellness accounts that advocate for body positivity and accepting normal bodies and promote normal raw images of what normal skin looks like. Normal skin isn't poreless and blemish free. Uh, you know, that cellulite and stretch marks and fat is all part of having a normal body. So yeah, I, th- I think that is a really important point to mention as well, that we are not anti-social media and we are not anti uh, filters and editing. But what is really important in this conversation is understanding the underlying mechanisms that might be at play in, and might be contributing to poorer mental health. Mm. And from a clinical perspective, there was actually a, have you heard of, I think it was on TikTok. It's called the side profile check challenge. Have you heard uh, of that? Yes. Yeah. The side profile check. Is that on TikTok? Or is it I Instagram? believe it was. I also don't have TikTok, but I get sent by my friends so many TikTok videos. And I, I think it might be a TikTok or a real thing. It's like side profile check. Mm. Yeah. So that's essentially, I mean, I was researching it. I really need to become cooler and get TikTok instead of just researching it. Um, but it's essentially you send a photo of your side profile and it's, you, you know, you have to check for the symmetry. This is really quite triggering because it, in, it starts to encourage checking behavior. And mm. we know that checking behavior can be an early symptom of clinical diagnosis of OCD or body dysmorphia disorder. So by encouraging symmetry, encouraging perfection, it can provoke checking behaviors, which can then lead into more serious clinical diagnoses. So it's a really damaging way. It's a really damaging tool sometimes. And yes, we're not anti-social media, but there are just some really important things to reflect on. If you are someone whose social media usage is, is a little more than usual and how much it's impacting you without you even realizing. And I think that that's the most important thing to take away from today is the unconscious effects it's having on you that you're not even realizing. Absolutely. And speaking of checking behavior, the ab check, you know, Mm. when we talk about, I think males in particular and men and what masculinity means, um, images of perfect physiques, you know, that eight, 10 pack, you know, that really creates that unrealistic uh, for the everyday person, body uh, ideal to achieve that makes men feel less attractive in worse shape weaker than or less than to the images that they're seeing on social media and I think that ab check um, is another one that was really trending especially on Instagram I remember you know seeing uh, stories that people would be posting at the gym you know with their perfectly chiseled abs and um, how that can really filter in, haha, pun, filter in. <laughs> no, not funny. Oh, Amy. <laughs> How that can really filter into our perceived mm. uh, ideals of what it means to be masculine uh, or, or what it means to, to have. Um, be attractive. Or, right? Yeah, of what it means to be attractive. Mm. Um, 
And I think that is really, really important. And I know that a lot of men uh, that experience uh, body dysmorphia, that is something that can, as you say, Kat, be kind of the beginnings of something that is a little bit more extreme and a little bit more unhealthy when we look at clinical diagnoses. Um, but yeah, the constant checking and, and the constant comparison of, okay, this is what my social media diet is telling me I need to follow. And, and this is what I'm seeing in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Ames. What are some really helpful strategies? So we really, we briefly talked about our social media hygiene. What are some helpful strategies, aims that you would recommend to someone who is listening to this and feels that perhaps they are becoming a lot more body conscious or have increased anxiety and awareness of their body and dissatisfaction with their body and or their face after using social media with some things that might help? Okay. I think as we've kind of said throughout this episode is, being aware is really important. And that is where um, I would suggest starting being aware of the comparisons you're drawing on and being aware of your social media consumption. Yeah. Just noticing and being, you know, critical is a really productive way to be on social media. Um, Not just mindlessly consuming. Mm. Yeah. Really bringing, the content that you are consuming into your conscious awareness and pay attention to how you feel when you're on social media, you know, is, is the social media that you're consuming making you feel worse about yourself? Is it creating pressure to change, you know, uh, the content that you are putting out onto your platforms? I think that is a really great place to start. Guys, it's not normal to feel worse after you get off social media. It is mm-hmm. not normal to feel pressure after looking at an image. That has become so normalised that it's almost quite hard to make that distinction, isn't it, of do I, does this make me feel bad or am I just someone who's got low confidence anyway? It's not normal to go on social media and feel worse after you get off social media. If there is anything that's not bringing you joy, inspiration, creativity, you need to unfollow. Even accounts, I mean, I follow some body positivity accounts and even then sometimes, you know how people put up their worst, um, they're in poses and they're, you know, got stomach rolls or whatever even then sometimes people put up posts that are quote real bodies and even I sometimes still look at them and think oh if that someone's worse than I feel Mm. do you know what I mean like just be really cautious that even if you follow an influencer or body positivity account that it doesn't automatically mean that that will sit well for you and that will make you feel any better so just be really really mindful of who you follow and be acknowledged as Amy was saying does this make me feel any better and if not unfollow it's really really as simple as that yeah absolutely when we feel like we don't measure up it can induce a lot of insecurity and anxiety and really our self-esteem can take a beating so Definitely be aware of how you feel when you are on social media. Um, I know, for example, paying attention to your internal monologue. So what are you saying to yourself as you're scrolling through social media? Yeah. When I say awareness, that is what I mean. Um, Things to be aware of is is how you speak to yourself while you're scrolling through social media. For example, uh, if you see someone like an influencer that that is pregnant and you think, oh my God, she looks like that pregnant and I look like that after a big meal. Those really unhelpful 
negative kind of comparisons that we draw on from consuming social media uh, is really important to be conscious of. And uh, I think it, it can be really subtle or seemingly subtle like that is we think that that's not damaging or that that is, you know, there's nothing wrong with those thoughts, but those thoughts can really perpetuate into exacerbating feelings of not being good enough or, or not being worthy uh, or, or feeling like that we need to do something drastic like cosmetically alter mm. our face or our body in order to feel validated. Um, so re remembering that it's important to be mindful of the perceived small things as well and that um, you don't have to have body image dysmorphia or an eating disorder or, um, you know, a you don't have to fit a diagnostic criteria to be impacted by social media. So looking, I guess, at the small considerations that social media might be contributing to um, not so great mental health. It doesn't have to be terrible, um, but I think it, it's a cumulative, right? So how am I feeling every day while I'm on social media and what small things can I do every day to better my social media hygiene and and that comes back to awareness and and conscious social media consumption yeah one thing that can help that i sometimes suggest to clients is if you some people find it hard to remember to acknowledge how they're feeling and really focus on their internal internal thought process because it is mostly unconscious and we don't even realize what we're thinking to ourselves before it's too late and we get a really yucky feeling talking out loud going through Instagram and being like, oh, wow, this is a really pretty picture. How does that make me feel? Oh, I got a really weird feeling in my stomach of anxiety mm. that I don't look like How that. How you feel in your body? Just talking yeah. out loud. Like it doesn't, you don't have to label an emotion straight away because it can be really hard to sometimes label emotions when you're so unconsciously good at it. Um, talking out loud, how does it feel in your body to look at this image? You know, what, what kind of, does it feel tense? Do you feel tight? Do you feel relaxed? that can start to get you thinking about how it makes you feel. Um, and, you know, if anything that's tense or tight or, you know, feels uncomfortable, that's generally, you know, you might be perceiving that image negatively. Um, so just be really mindful. That's a good way, an easy tool if you're not sure about how things make you feel, if you're not sure about what's good, what, you know, whether things are helping you or not, just speaking about it out loud when you're scrolling in bed or, you know, in the morning. Oh, wow. Okay. That image really made me feel quite uncomfortable or made me think about, made me look in the mirror or made me look at my Instagram and compare myself. Just, yeah, that, that can be a really helpful mm -hmm. um, strategy. Definitely. And another one that you kind of alluded to is how you feel in your body. Mm. So if you are not on social media, are you feeling nervous tension? Are you feeling like you have to keep picking up your phone and, and scrolling through um, Instagram? Or, you know, if you were to take time away from social media, would that make you feel a bit anxious and a bit uncomfortable? because that's a really good indication that it might be time to have a little break from social media. And that is also part of good social media hygiene is making sure that you are having a bit of a break from it. Mm, absolutely. I think in a world we've become hyper-focused and aware of our bodies and our faces. We, we really link that to our value as a person. So really jotting down something that you value in yourself that's not related to your appearance. Some people find this hard. 
I will sometimes ask clients to ask their friends or family because likely your friends and family don't love you because of an appearance, because of Mm. how you look. So I think that that's a really good way to start to get you to focus on other things about yourself that are really important and really that you relate to and you find meaningful. So if you really value being kind, then that is something to focus on. Your appearance does not influence your personality. You know, it doesn't make you more kind. It doesn't make you X, Y, and Z kind of moving away from purely your appearance to your values and your personality and the things that make you you can be a really good way as well to stop that comparison and stop that need to be, you know, perfect or beautiful. Mm, Absolutely. And I guess that comes back to focusing on uh, unconditional self-acceptance. Yeah. Mm. In, in reality. Yeah. So working on accepting yourself for you as a whole person, not just what you are portraying on social media. And that is definitely easier said than done. Uh, But if you are finding that social media and, you know, you are finding yourself in a bit of a comparison trap with filters and finding it really hard to upload photos yourself that haven't been heavily edited, being curious as to why you're feeling like that and what might be going on for you is really important as well. If you're finding that, oh my goodness, I couldn't possibly upload how I look without a filter. Mm. That might be, and I think that might be also time. And it's funny how we've become so hyper aware and focused on the likes and the comments and the engagement that we get for putting out 5% of us as a person, you know, you people are not commenting on your values and your strengths. They're commenting on your appearance. Um, and I think that that's an interesting way to look at it is if like you're upset that perhaps the engagement that you thought that you would, you don't get the likes that you thought you would. Well, you're not putting out your whole self. So how do people, you know, you can't judge other people's perception of you when you're only putting out 5% of your yourself. And it's mm-hmm. interesting that we've become so hyper-focused on that. Um, Another thing is I know we've talked about this at length and I sound like a broken record, but neutral statements um, about your body. I think just being really cautious of how you talk to your body and how that's impacted after you look at social media, but how you talk to your body is so important. Our thoughts are so, so powerful. So be really mindful of how you talk to your body because that will simmer through. That will really, really affect your mental health, how you talk to yourself because it affects your feelings, which then in turn affects your behavior. And that can really lead into a pretty, a pretty vicious and dysfunctional cycle. So neutral statements. We've done heaps of episodes on body confidence, but um, go back and have a little listen to those. We've kind of talked about how to do that and and things that help. Mm. So guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Our first episode back of 2021, we will be splitting up our deep dive episodes into some, uh, with our Q and A because our episodes were getting very long. Cause as you can tell, Amy and I talk and talk and talk. (laughs) So we will be doing a separate Q and A for this year and hopefully we'll be uploading a little bit more consistently so thank you guys so much for tuning in um if you want to see more we are on instagram at the psychology sisters and we have an online psychology clinic at the site collaborative if you enjoyed this episode we would love it if you um subscribed and reviewed us on itunes or spotify <laughs> all right everyone we'll be back in your listening ears next episode all right guys bye bye
Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're not already, please follow us on Instagram at The Psychology Sisters. We are also now providing online psychological sessions. For more information, please follow us at The Psych Collaborative. See you next time.